Thank you for sticking through those commercial breaks, and I am excited to introduce our guests today are the founders of Moon Mortgage, Inc., Aaron Nevin and Tristan Marino. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Likewise. Just going in a little bit. There we are. So, guys, talk to us a little bit first, just how did you get involved in the Bitcoin space? How did you hear about it, and what was your initial reaction? Oh, fine. So let's see. We've been involved since what 2011 or so. It was a, a couple of friends who were, you know, devs who got me involved in the space. And you know, as soon as I kind of learned about the environment and saw a lot of the potential of these assets, it was game over. Knew I had to move to New York and try to start building in the crypto ecosystem. Just like Aaron, both of us were young. I learned playing video games with Eastern European guys that a lot of local currency was not really strong. And that was a way for them to like make in-game transactions and kind of barter at a low level. Got it. Got it. And what were your backgrounds like leading into this? Like, you know, you guys, have you guys done other Bitcoin projects? Was this the first? What were you doing before that, if not? Yeah. So I got started in real estate development out of college. So I did that for about four or five years. I was bit by the crypto bug in 2011, then moved to New York and started a company called Primeritum Labs. The goal of that company was to build out a crypto asset repurchase agreement exchange for banks. The idea being banks were gonna start holding Bitcoin on their books and they want some traditional tools to meet overnight regulatory requirements. If you know anything about banking, that makes sense. If you don't, and it, it doesn't, there's no reason any, any you know, one normal should know about what that stuff is. But after that, joined an incubator program called Antler. That's where I met Tristan. And uh, we just kind of headed off and really bonded over our love of Bitcoin and our desire to, you know, build some real products in the space that, you know, a little bit more tangible. Definitely. My first company in the space is this current one in the crypto space, but having a background in finance and going to the same startup incubator as Aaron, we were working on different stuff at the time, but we've stayed friends over the last few years and we both had an early interest in crypto and our first jobs out of college were real estate related. All right. I got to, I got to just warn you guys, you guys are going to get roasted by the chat. If you guys keep bringing up crypto, especially right. Would love also just, you know, as, as you guys caught the tail end of it, we are in the midst of probably one of the crazier contagions during this bear market. Would love just maybe your guys' thoughts, firstly, just as participants in the industry, and then secondly, as you know, builders and creators of a business that relies not just on Bitcoin, but as crypto as a whole, like what are your guys' feelings on the tail end? Or I say tail end, but I think we all know this is just the beginning of the outcomes of what's happened at FTX. Sure. You know, I think Aaron and I have a very measured approach for, you know, owning a company in in this space. You know, we both got involved with Bitcoin first, obviously, the king of cryptos that we think, you know, having a more measured approach that isn't as Web3 esque as a lot of other people in this space. We really believe that the strongest intersection of like Bitcoin, as an example, and traditional finance is doing something like what we're doing today providing people the avenue to buy a home collateralized by Bitcoin is one of the greatest use cases. Because one of the things that we just thought from working in the traditional finance space, like you could take a loan against a high value art piece or a stock portfolio or a boat, but doing that with a crypto asset was extremely difficult. And Bitcoin has large liquidity, larger liquidity than some of the other publicly traded stocks that people could do a similar format transaction with. And that was something that we took inspiration from. 
but bringing it back to the overall crypto space, Bitcoin space, that we are trying not to go too far out in the in the water, as Warren Buffett says. You know, when the tide comes out, that's who you can see. That's when you can see who's swimming naked. <laughs> and I think that we're really seeing that a lot of people have been doing. They've been portraying themselves in a certain light, but behind closed doors, things have been going a very different direction. Yeah, we we think Bitcoin should have utility beyond simply a store of value. Yeah. And we think it's products like ours that safely introduces utility into the asset. So now, for example, you can use your Bitcoin, invest in a cash flowing property, do so without dealing with any taxable consequences, but start to get exposure to other real world assets. So we kind of sit in the middle, blending these two really bad use cases and you know almost like bring the 1031 exchange back into the, the asset class vicariously, but you know, it's there. And it's, I, I think it's our combination and, you know, passion for Bitcoin and bringing real utility to, utility to the space geared with our experience in real estate, that gives us this unique outlook and, and approach to doing it. And what we're really excited about as well as our partnership with Anchorage Digital, they're the only federally regulated bank who can custody crypto assets. They have the highest standards in the space, and it's a huge privilege for us to be able to work with them to keep our, our customers' assets safe in the meantime, especially in light of everything that's happened. And we've always been skeptical of a lot of those other lenders. Personally, never used them for some of the, the reasons that we've seen. So we're excited and we think we're sort of sitting in the middle of an interesting opportunity, and most importantly, bringing some, some real value to the, to the whole voters. So one thing that I'm realizing we didn't actually do at the top is really talk about what exactly the product that you've created is and what it offers. You know, you were a, a pitch day winner at Coin 2022, really loved what you guys were talking about. Can you give the, the audience a description of what it is that you guys do and why it's relevant today? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe a quick product overview makes sense to start. So say you want to buy a, a piece of real estate for $500,000, you'd come to us post 500,000 of Bitcoin as collateral, go straight into Anchorage. We then provide 100% financing for the purchase price of your real estate. So we'll put up 500K so you can buy the real estate. After that, it's serviced like any normal mortgage. So you make monthly payments on it. And really what we're doing with this process is replacing the need for a down payment and the need to ultimately liquidate your Bitcoin to get into a house. So through our product, you're able to use your Bitcoin to essentially replace or provide a guarantee of a down payment like you would in a conventional mortgage. And then after that, it's, it's you know pretty straightforward. Unfortunately, we do have to impose margin calls because we want to guarantee that there's at least a 20% equity buffer in the real estate. And through that, we're able to give our, our borrower base like, some of the best like LTVs in, in the industry. Because right now you have to put up 100% in the current like MVP-esque model, eventually in a more hybridized model where you could put up Bitcoin, you have a W-2, you also have perfect credit. You know, there's other things vying for you. Those thresholds are all subject to change. But just in a crypto exclusive variant or a variant, maybe you're a, a foreign buyer who doesn't have credit here. So this is a really clean cut example of just posting assets and leveraging them to get into the property. So walk me through this, I think a little bit, like I'm a more math oriented person. So I think I need to hear some numbers to, to follow along. So like 500 K house, 
I want to buy it. I have the full amount of Bitcoin. If I wanted to, your service comes in. Like, walk me through what I would be doing through your guys' service. What would happen to my Bitcoin, and and how would the ownership sort of change over to my possession? For sure. So you create an account at newmortgage.io. We own .com as well, but we stick with .io. You'd create an account. You would submit a loan application for the real for the property you want to buy, and that looks like a pretty conventional mortgage loan application if you've ever gone through that. So we take some information, do your KYC, and then we do a review of the property. Once we provide approval that we're able to fulfill this loan, you would through your logged in account deposit your Bitcoin into the account. It doesn't go to us, it goes directly into Anchorage. So we never actually touch the assets. From there, you go to the closing table. We basically bring a check for 500K, which gets handed to the seller. We sign all of the closing docs. Like it, this is built to look and feel like a totally conventional mortgage. And what this allows us to do ultimately is then turn around and sell the debt, the note, the mortgage itself to a secondary market. And that allows us to keep money in the system to keep providing mortgages to more folks who need it. And then the Bitcoin itself, that sits at Anchorage and it's we kind of have two options we're working through. So you can pay a higher interest rate and get the guarantee that your Bitcoin assets are not rehypothecated or lent out, or you can get a lower interest rate and deal with the rehypothecation. And again, you know, I know that's a scary word in this space right now, but it is something that happens in the traditional financial sector regularly and safely. And it makes what a bank is. It's what a bank is and makes the world kind of operate. And we we wouldn't do that if we didn't have full trust in our partner Anchorage. You know, they didn't lose a dime in all of these insolvencies. They're a bank, they have the highest standards of any custodial institution out there. So are you guys the ones who are hypothecating the Bitcoin or are they? They're doing it on our behalf. So okay. like full banking guidelines. And do you, like, do they share with you what they are invested in? Or is that just sort of a, we're so, good? No, no, we get full transparency yeah. and every rehypothecated loan is over collateralized. So in order for someone to borrow, I don't know the exact ratios, but say in order for someone to borrow, 40K, 50K of, of Bitcoin that have to post 100K or whatever it is. So we're always over collateralized. We're doing the safest bucket we can for their uh, rehypothecation. Without like getting too far into the weeds, essentially there's many risk parameters that they have that we can choose from. We're in the most conservative bucket, which essentially basically in no scenario you could really lose unless there's, you know, some unforeseen, you know, black swan event that somehow you know, bricks their whole Which system. we're living through. Like, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to be yeah. really careful about positioning certain things as like, there's no risk whatsoever on this oh. show because we've seen over the last sure. week that every Most single definitely. time those things have been promised, unfortunately, they've been followed up with contagion, a black, yeah. a black swan event that no one was aware of or, or, or thinking about. And so my, my follow-up question is genuinely like, what could happen if the higher risk users they get called like what happens to those who are at who said no i don't want my bitcoin hypothecated but you have other users who do and in turn they get caught in an event like what is the contingency plan for sure. those type of situations so you know without 
explaining their whole business model. And this is probably a better question for them to answer in full, you know, full scope, but essentially the assets that are with them, it's bankruptcy remote. So the assets come back to us. So it's not like a Celsius thing where if they go bankrupt, they keep the assets and then eventually we get it back. They're not on their balance sheet. So it always comes right back to us. So that's like a large thing just dealt with right away is if they become insolvent for any reason that the assets come back to us so that that is probably the best scenario of the scenarios that you can really have in this situation and then you know some of the nuance that can come from there it's still yet to be fully determined because a lot of the stuff is ongoing but in the terms of clarity through bankruptcy or clarity in pursuing assets due to the fact that they're the only fully federally chartered bank that can do this kind of crypto custody that the methods of how they kind of are aligned are much more clear than any other party. And it would be different than like Aaron and I holding your private key and then we go bankrupt. This is a much better option. They're much larger in scale. And that's kind of a decision that we made while building this product. Frankly, I think there's more trust in this entity to do this because we could technically do it ourselves, but that's a whole nother business. It's a whole nother thing to build out. And there's, there's more risk in us doing it than having a fully trusted regulated entity do it. Fair. I want to also just get a sense from the two of you, you know, again, off of the heels of what we've seen transpire over the last week and a half, let's say, where are your heads and expectations on just regulatory efforts, especially as it pertains to the banking and the intersection of the banking and crypto industry as a whole? That's the only um, time the audience will ever hear yeah. me willingly say crypto. I, I think, you know, the the major the major thing is Aaron and I have been involved in the space for a while. We've seen many projects blow up. One of the reasons why we created this company, and a lot of people said this when we were out trying to feel out this idea, was go just take a loan on Blockify, go just take a loan on Celsius and then use that. You know, the reason why we created this was to avoid adding additional counterparties because to your point, you don't know what they do if it's not clearly outlined. And you know, our hypothesis was correct that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, these black swan events do happen. That's why we've tried to do what we're doing. But in the terms of regulation, you can't have this many companies blow up without having more stringent controls. I think that some of the political things that Sam Bankman did, you know, maybe skews how things get pursued in the future of, you know, it's now pointing the spotlight in a different direction than I think that it was originally looking towards. So that's the only thing that I'm, I don't have full clarity on, but I definitely think the rules will get tighter just because that's what the government does. And I think that hopefully, you know, it doesn't really impact anything that we do because we're very vanilla. Everything's off chain. Everything's done in a regulatory and compliant manner. That's kind of how we've designed this to keep the paperwork as slim and you know straightforward as possible for all of our partners. But for a lot of companies that use a lot of DeFi or you know are doing things in a more gray area, I think that regulation can be very difficult for their business. So I want to get a sense of like there is and, and I don't want to put Bitcoiners in a bucket because like I don't fit in any any bucket of a Bitcoiner, I think that's where things get lost. But there's, I think, a, a fundamental understanding amongst Bitcoin and even broader crypto users that, you know, the money and financial system that we live in is broken. And this 
Bitcoin in particular is a lifeline to fix the money and in, in, inspire a new way of doing things. I guess my question, and it's a little bit of a, a pushback, is like, why do you, why are you guys so willing to adopt the current financial systems that are in place? Because if I'm looking at this right now, and I had a mortgage with you guys that I started six months ago, and I'm seeing the price of Bitcoin go down, there is a potential risk that what well, I could lose both my Bitcoin and my house, and I could have done nothing wrong. I could have paid all my mortgage payments on time. I could have done everything right. Yeah. It's just so wrong place, just wrong time. No, so quickly to interject, and that was probably a, a failure to explain the product well. If you continue to maintain your monthly payments, just because your crypto gets liquidated doesn't mean you lose the house. It sits on the side as a cash buffer and equivalent. But I could still, like my Bitcoin could still get liquidated even if I'm paying all of my mortgage payments. It depends on what the underwriting is. So let's just say, let's make simple math. This was something, you know, you want to buy a million dollar home, you put up a million dollars in Bitcoin depending on how the underwriting is structured, just for the sake of this viewership, keep it really simple, you know, to a crypto only example. Bitcoin only example. Right, thank you. Bitcoin only example, let's say your liquidation is 200,000. So that's a drawdown of 80%. So that's almost like if you came in at the top at 69K and then we're here today, you know, I would hope that the real hardcore Bitcoiners that have over a million dollars are not, you know, collateralizing at 70K, I hope. You know, where the market was at peak FOMO, I would hope that people would be a little bit more measured and when they come in to really be educated, because I think of being a Bitcoiner, you know, you're taking the upside, you're also taking the downside, because the opposite side of the spectrum is the real estate goes up, the Bitcoin goes up, and you make money on both, both sides. And yes, obviously it can go down, but you know, that's your decision to make. And I think that people shouldn't get into this business or this product if they're not comfortable with the upside and the downside. And I think that having such a large drawdown buffer, and that's kind of why we designed it not to take, let's say 50% up front, because theoretically we could do that, but then that threshold for you to get liquidated is a lot closer. We're trying to really start the bar very high where people have a lot of headroom and they're very comfortable with the proposition. And that's why we've tried not to do something like you post 30% of the total loan, you get liquidated when it hits 20% of the total value, you know? So we're really trying to like meet people both ways and show the space in a good equitable way, which involves, you know, having Bitcoiners be able to leverage their assets in a responsible way. So where, where I need to make sure I'm following this long. So I've posted my, for a million dollar home, I posted my million dollar Bitcoin collateral. It now goes to this bank intermediary and I have deemed the lowest level of risk. I do not want my stuff rehypothecated. So what is the point? Like, is that just simply collateral in the event that I'm not making my mortgage payment? So when you buy a house normally, yeah, I, if you couldn't, I, I should preface all of this. I live with my parents. I'm not kidding. Neither of us own property, so this is okay. all okay. just. No, that's, no, that's, you got to you got to talk to a couple idiots because we're a couple idiots. No, 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 well, that's, that's a great starting point. So when you buy, a home, <laughs> no, pretend you're talking not. to five year olds. It's not <laughs> just... All right. So when you buy your fairy princess dream house in a conventional world, right, you would post somewhere between twenty and thirty percent as a down payment. So you buy a million dollar property, you post. 
300K as a down payment. The bank then comes in and lends 70% of the value of that home, right? So in the million dollar example, the bank provides 700K, you provide 300K, you sign your mortgage and you make your payments to the bank after that on that $700,000 piece, all right? That's how a normal mortgage works. And then they sell the mortgage to the secondary market, but none of that really matters. And the cash sits in escrow. With the seven hundred k that they're providing, the seven hundred k that they provide, no, it gets given to the seller. So I bring three hundred k. The bank brings seven hundred k. The seller takes that million, and then we get the deed, basically. Gotcha. In our example, there's no down payment. So what the Bitcoin provides is the equivalent of that down payment. So rather than having to sell your Bitcoin. And lose the upside and pay taxes on the Bitcoin, you get to maintain that asset, which, you know, if you're like us, you think Bitcoin's going to outperform every other asset class in the next 10 years, right. not tax advice or, you know, investment advice. You're like, why would you get out of that asset class if you think it's going to outperform everything? I want to leverage my Bitcoin safely, but I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want my, my investment property or I want my, my house. And so for me, this is an opportunity to leverage your Bitcoin safely while still get into that property you're really excited about without having to sell it and deal with any of the downsides. Well, right. not the downsides of the downsides of selling, selling like taxable consequences, losing your nominal amount of Bitcoin. You know, that's kind of and don't feel bad if you didn't get it the first time. This is kind of a <laughs> boutique financial product that exists at a higher level for certain kinds of borrower profiles in a traditional sense, like taking a loan against a, a piece of art or things that are a little atypical for most people. This is kind of where we took inspiration from. But the yeah. main purpose is so you don't put any money directly in the deal and it's collateralized. So you're not causing a taxable event. So then that's you huge, still yeah. keep your upside in the Bitcoin because that's the whole purpose. When we went to go buy a property and we showed the bank how much Bitcoin we had, they don't recognize it. Or they'll just tell you, well, if you have that much money, just sell it and then buy the property in cash. But then we lose the upside in the Bitcoin, which is the whole reason why we've acquired the Bitcoin in the first place. So why not use, you know, the upside of the Bitcoin, which is just the lump sum of money that it is, that's liquid, and then pledge that to help you buy a home. Hey, guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. The Bitcoin Magazine Podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. With open enrollment upon us, what if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore? What if you can invest in Bitcoin instead? With CrowdHealth, you can choose your doctors, put aside money for your health expenses in your own account, 
and even hold a large part of it in Bitcoin. Pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours. If a large expense comes up, CrowdHealth will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly. Go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin. Right now through the end of the year, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to CrowdHealthBTC.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. So what happens when the price of Bitcoin does drop? Is somebody able to then like add additional, let's say they, let's say that they are living their life, you know, on a hundred percent Bitcoin standard. So sure. if they put up, you know, $200,000 nominal value of Bitcoin sure. and then this, this whole thing happens, right? FTX blows up, everything crashes down. Then it, is there a period where somebody could then put more Bitcoin in in order to maintain their, their Absolutely. thing? How does that happen? Absolutely. And it's super easy. I mean, when you log into your account, you see your balance, you see everything you can easily deposit without like any real involvement from us yeah. to bring up your your liquid your liquidation level. And so it's it's relatively hands off and simple. You have full control of your mortgage, arguably unlike you know any borrower has ever had before in the mortgage space. And that's why, you know, in this flagship example for more of our MVP, you know, if it's worth a million, you put in a million. So you have a huge drawdown. So there's Got a it, lot yeah. of headroom. Like you would have had to start this mortgage at literally the peak cycle and take it to the bottom before like you would have that 80% drop. Um, so like in a practical sense, you know, if you have any other additional money or, you know, you have a little bit more s- s- market savviness, you know, you're not going to be going top to bottom. Got it. And this is something that, you know, like people that are taking that have taken loans out with something like Unchained Capital are also dealing with, right? Like if you take a loan that that uh, produces USD, it's, then you still have to, totally. you know, re-up your, that's the wrong term, but what would you yeah, say, uh, this, recapitalize, overcapitalize in order to avoid being margin called in that situation? And this isn't a crypto thing. This happens in the stock market as well. Like this is a very normal tool throughout the financial industry that we're bringing into crypto. Into Got Bitcoin. it. Into Bitcoin. Thank you. <laughs> Got it. And okay, that makes sense. And and did I hear correctly that you do have the option of saying like, I don't want my funds rehypothecated if that's something you, that the person yeah, wants to pursue? Absolutely. Got it. Got it. We so got I, into this because we want to hold on to our Bitcoin. So, you know, we're, we're very much consumer driven. Like we're doing this because we're the customer. And we yeah. were told to do other things and we like, didn't no, agree but, with, you know, what we were told. And we thought that there was just a better way and we could make a better system. And that's yeah, why we're yeah. here today. I and mean, obviously, you know, as somebody said in the chat, this is like a, a, an awkward time to be having this conversation given everything that's going on. But this is a real issue that affects a lot of people, right? If you, as you said, go right. and try to 
buy a house and you don't have, you know, a, a massive income or anything like that, you're going to be told by the bank to go fuck yourself, right? When you try to show oh, them like, oh, I have this much BTC, they're going to say like, we don't give a shit about that. So yeah, exactly. this is it's fake take, money for them. Yeah, take this a long walk off a short pier. Yeah, this is arguably the best time to be having the conversation, actually. Like, this isn't when I want to sell my Bitcoin. This is when I want to double down. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's that's a funny yeah. way of looking at it. Got yeah. it. Totally. Yeah. Especially like if you could use our model today, you know, what's the likelihood of Bitcoin going down another 80 percent? You know, I yeah. mean, everything's always on the table, but I personally would feel better <laughs> at doing it today than doing it at almost 70 K. Um, Famous last words, though, Matt. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> no, no, but I mean, last words. If Bitcoin goes down another 80 percent from here, I think the whole world's going to be in a really tough spot overall. Fair uh, enough. I think it's going to be tough for in in a multitude of different reasons. If that's what happens, <laughs> partially, and like maybe maybe I, I I don't hate hearing other people's takes on this because sometimes all I sure. hear is. P and Chris's, but like we've been talking for the last four months, like, hey guys, by the end of this year, all hell is going to start breaking loose. Like the economy, the broader world is going to feel the effects. We hear the reports, we see the reports from the housing market in particular. Market rates are going to new all time highs, new home buyers are exiting the markets. How has that broader economy impacted your guys' business and what does that leave your expectations for 2023? We think 2023 is going to be an interesting year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, certainly, it certainly wouldn't surprise us if there was a, uh, a pullback in the housing markets. Certainly not throwing out any numbers, but it wouldn't surprise us. I think certain jurisdictions will do quite well. I think there's a good chance Miami stays above water, but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw anyone who bought a home in the last two years go underwater. Underwater meaning your, the value of your house is lower than what you paid for it, lower than the outstanding mortgage. Yeah, it just depends on where you are. And I think really the main thing like for us is just since we're, we're pre-launch, we're going to launch in January if everything goes to plan, which looks like everything's going well. So we'll, we'll be there, you know, when things most likely start to, you know, maybe shake out, hopefully for the positive. But uh, in the terms of our business with the rates moving up and all these different things, all of these crypto partners blowing up, you know, it definitely makes trying to get traditional money a little harder. And going back to your point of like, why are we working with the traditional, you know, financial space? One of the greatest pieces of this country in some way is some of the financial system that's allowed people to do things that doesn't happen in other countries. Like, for instance, the ability to buy a home, even though that for like Aaron and I, who have been self-employed basically our entire adult lives, that we don't really fit into that bucket super well. But for the majority of society, it's a pretty clean cut process to buying property compared to most other first world countries and the financing opportunities, the ability of fixed rate products. Like in the UK, that's not, it's not even close. It, the property market is terrible. Just as a simple example that most people don't understand. And the reason why we're working with the traditional finance people, in our opinion, is, hey, they have way more money than the entire, you know, Bitcoin market cap. Let's use these guys as a cheaper capital pool so that you guys could leverage your asset at an even cheaper rate. Because in, in an established market, taking a loan against your own money and another asset is generally cheap. It, it's generally one of the cheapest forms of money you can get out is taking a loan against something that you own. 
And right now, crypto has a premium on it because it's deemed risky. Even Bitcoin, unfortunately, it's a little bit better. But we're trying to create a product where the traditional people understand the lean against the home. And then the Bitcoin is kind of the cherry on top. So they don't need to fully understand it, but they can buy into the real estate aspect. So this is a way for us to get cheaper money in, which would eventually, at a scaled model, allow you to have cheaper rates than possibly what a conventional mortgage could give you because you're taking a loan against your own money if that makes sense i know that's a little complicated. No, it, it, it does make sense what is the typical like loan to value ratio that you guys provide i'm assuming there are different tiers based on what you want to how you want to leave your bitcoin in hypothecation or to not so we're, we're starting with one-to-one. -one. So you want to buy a million-dollar home, you post a million dollars in Bitcoin, and we'll go up from there. So if you really want to bring down your rate, you can certainly post as much collateral as you want. We can't talk about it in detail now, but we're bringing out in a really interesting feature to the mortgage products that will yep. make posting collateral not so scary or daunting. And we'll be able to share more info on that in January. But it's... We're doing some really neat stuff that we wouldn't even have thought of had we not you know, been in the customer you know, borrower position ourselves. Yeah. So we're starting at the one-to-one -to, -one to prove that these are safe, to prove that debt and risk can be managed responsibly by you know, Bitcoin enthusiasts and builders. And then from there, that will come down over time. We'll introduce hybrid models where you can post some cash, where you can post some Bitcoin. We have a lot, a lot right. of plan, but as we're you know, starting this out, we want to prove this can be done safely. Yeah. And just to add to that, that right now, this process looks more like bridge lending than like consumer lending in the sense of it's a per person process. It's a per property process as well. So there's no hard and fast rules because of the way that we have our debt partner on takeout that it's person and property specific. So, you know, it's depending on what day of the week it is because things are changing all the time and you know what we can take out and what they're interested in because as we're building a nascent market you know there's it's got to be a little bit more custom crafted to the needs of the individual and also to the needs of the end buyer that makes sense i also wanted to just ask this as a another follow-up my head bouncing all over the place so i apologize guys as i'm making my mortgage payments and that bitcoin that i posted is collateral one-to-one do I ever get that Bitcoin back that was posted as collateral? Yeah. So if mm -hmm. it goes, if, say it doubles, triples from where you bought it and you can scrape Bitcoin off. Okay. Real so it's, it's tied to a fixed price that I'm assuming is agreed yeah. upon with a, with a drawdown percentage then agreed upon. So exactly. we can sort of live in this range. Does it in the same way that like Bovada or like every single bookie that I use is a jackass and it's like, oh yeah, if you're down to the whole $200, like you got to pay me, but I only pay you when I'm up, when you're up $500. Like, is it something like that? Or like, how does that, does it have to be the same sort of? I'll give you a simple thousand? number example to make it really easy. Thank you, you know, you started with your million dollar home. Let's say Bitcoin as at 10 K for this very simple example, you know, the next day it goes to 20 K. So now you have $2 million of Bitcoin value, you know, collateralizing your home. Let's say you want to take out another, you want to take out a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. So that leaves you back at the million where you started. You have the ability to do that. Dope. 
Love that. So, so that's the whole thing as well, too. If your thesis is Bitcoin is going to continue to grow in value, you know, as it continues to grow, you have the ability to take it some of it off the table for whatever reason, you know, you're skeptical on us, you're skeptical on anything else. You know, if the trades go in your direction, you can take the excess off, which, you know, gives you a lot of ability to manage your risk. And especially if this loan is going to be for many years, you know, you may want to be able to take that Bitcoin back to do something else or, you know, whether you hold it yourself or you leave it there, it doesn't matter to us, but you have that flexibility. We've designed the product to be as flexible to the end user as possible. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what are some of the other, the other types of services that exist in the space related to, you know, how can you as a Bitcoiner use your Bitcoin to potentially buy a house? And how did you guys come to this specific model versus some of the other ones that are being considered or that are out there? Without going too deep into how our competitors' products work, I'll just say that they have significantly more counterparty risk than we do the way they've structured their, their loans and their debt. We have as few counterparties as possible on the crypto side. It's really just us and Anchorage and Anchorage manages all of the crypto piece for us. Their models introduce more counterparties and you have sort of a blended loan, which makes it'll get very complicated gets, very quick and without, you know, trying to do a we're over here, they're over there kind of thing. Essentially, there's not a really good way to do this. When we first started this idea over a year ago, you know, BlockFi and Celsius were back in the mix and predominantly people were like, just collateralize your, your Bitcoin with those guys and then, you know, buy your house in cash, which is something that you can do, you know, that's definitely an option. But the problem is then you have to worry about the term. Maybe it's not the interest rate that you want. And then you also have to worry about what happens to your coins because they were definitely not transparent about, you know, where they went. That's partially why, you know, we stayed away from them. And that's why we wanted to do this the way that we wanted to do it was that we didn't personally buy into some of the risk models and some of the numbers that they were able to put out from many different providers. And we didn't really see another way besides just selling the Bitcoin because the majority of the other people would just say, if you have that much in Bitcoin, just sell it and then just buy the property in cash. But in a low interest rate environment, it doesn't really, it's not capitally efficient to sell, to buy in cash. And then also you pay taxes, which then lowers the amount. And then also you lose the precious Bitcoin. So then you can't even have the upside in it. And especially if you've made large amounts of money in Bitcoin, you know, most of those people that have want to keep every single dollar and they want to see it continue to grow. Got it. Got it. So one thing I'm curious about is how you know, what your guys take on everything that's happening right now in the spaces and how that kind of affects your, your plans for, or potential plans for like product offerings and things like that. Like, has that shifted at all? Or do you feel like this is, you know, as you were saying, arguably you're in a position now where it's, it's an even better opportunity potentially if you wanted to pursue something like this to do it. But I'm just curious how this affects your overall thinking on the market, your product and things like that. So, well, this is a really hard period in the Bitcoin and larger ecosystem. We're really excited about the opportunity in front of us to, to kind of build out a lending product safely and securely with, you know, hard won 
or hard learned lessons that others provided for us. We think we can bring safe products to market. We know we can bring safe products to market, especially using Anchorage as our, as our custodial and lending partner, managing the lending piece of it. So while BlockFi and Celsius have imploded, uh, we've learned from their lessons. We know what not to repeat, and we know how to sort of skirt around all of their pitfalls. You know, it's a rare opportunity where all of your competitors kind of disappear and you're left with, you know, smart investors behind you, an incredible custodial partner and a long runway to, to figure out how to build the right product at the right time. And we also came into the game over a year plus ago with a compliance first approach, trying to bifurcate the Bitcoin and, you know, the traditional mortgage side. So we have all the traditional mortgage licensing, like every other mortgage company in the U.S. does, you know, we're expanding our state jurisdiction. It basically allows us to kind of play both sides of the coin, funny enough, the Bitcoin. So having a compliance first approach has really paid dividends for Aaron and I, because this is the path we've always chosen to go down. So seeing these other competitors and other companies in the space blow up in some regard, it makes our lives a little difficult working with traditional finance people to try to get the cheapest capital possible because it doesn't make the Bitcoiners look great from an optics perspective if this kind of style stuff keeps happening. But in the terms of the price is low, you know, it's a great time to build and we'll be ready for the next bull run when everyone's going to be excited about getting into a product like this even more than there is now. And we think in the future, as Bitcoin grows as a cryptocurrency, you know, the amount of people who would want to get into a home, because a home is one of the best wealth creation tools, maybe besides Bitcoin, especially in a traditional sense, it's done extremely well for the majority of people, that it's a great method for them to kind of de-risk out of the traditional finance space. And especially as people work more remote, people like Aaron and I who are self-employed, you know, it's it's not easy to buy a property for investment purposes or to live in. And we think this is a great way for people to do that. I don't disagree with you in the notion that it's become very difficult for people to buy homes and there needs to be new ways and opportunities to access it. But I think especially now, the fallacy that real estate is a is a great investment is just it i don't buy it anymore because it's due in large part to inflation like the value of most property has inflated in value which has led to where we are now i want to get a sense from the two of you on just how the interest rates have been impacting what you see how you guys will operate your business my assumption is that you guys are different than any other mortgage lender will have to have your rates change and shift as the interest rates get shifted by the Federal Reserve. Is there a certain interest rate point where you guys are like, this becomes not as profitable, not as lucrative, I think would be the appropriate world. Although I feel like you guys, as interest rate goes up, it becomes more lucrative. So not necessarily. So when you think about a mortgage company, generally a mortgage company, a non-bank lender like ourselves would take a spread. So you're going to give me money at 4%. I'm going to loan it to Aaron at five. So then you make a 1% difference between the two and then you'll make origination points. And then that's basically it more or less in a very typical example. 
And so right now, due to the fact that we're trying to, you know, build market share, get this product out into people's hands, we're not taking a capital spread. So if you're giving me money at four, he gets it at four. We still make the money on origination on the points on the loan, like every other traditional mortgage company that exists. But we don't make more money if the interest rate goes up. We're passing on basically the cheapest possible price that we can personally get to the end borrower so we can facilitate building this brand new secondary market. So eventually the pricing will get even cheaper, but essentially, you know, it's just passing it on. So the lender may make more money who is helping facilitate this entire thing, the end debt buyer. But for, for our company, it doesn't really change the financial viability of our model or really change if anything, you know, if the interest rates, frankly, just get too high, the borrower demand for this will go down. But at this stage in the game, there's more than enough borrowers, you know, for us to really continue to grow. And we think eventually soon enough, the rates will come down and things will start to subside a little bit. It may not be a perfect world, but I think that some of the peaks are, you know, possibly behind us in, the, in, in certain ways. But to your point, you know, we don't necessarily make more money if interest rates go up. So we're very agnostic. Fair enough. I wanted to also just get a sense of, oh my God, I had the thought in my head. Pete, you're going to have to ask a question while I think about what I was about to ask. <laughs> yeah, totally. One question that's come up is, you know, what kind of reserves does the company have? Like if any, how does that work? So there are a couple of different ways that, kind of answer that. So one of the first things we're, we're doing, it's not been done yet, but it's it's in process. We're setting up a bankruptcy remote entity to oversee any, in the event of any calamity down the road, to oversee the unwinding of these mortgages and to ensure that everyone gets their assets back. So this is just a standard safety practice that in the traditional, in the traditional yeah, that ever entity should do. So we'll be setting one of those up and you know, anything you want to add? I would just say just at a high level, like the reserves, because in our current model that the assets, you know, are the customers and we're selling the debt to another party who is essentially buying the mortgage, which allows us to recycle the funds. You know, they're setting the underwriting, they're underwriting the deal per se. You know, we're, we're a part of the origination machine but we're not, you know, taking the financial risk of default because it's the end debt buyer who really takes the financial risk of the loans not working. And that makes sense due to the fact that they're really underwriting. We're helping serve them and we're a technology layer that allows, you know, that down payment-esque of Bitcoin. So they don't have to understand Bitcoin to be able to give us a fair price on the loan. And that's kind of like the whole secret sauce. But if, if that kind of makes answers your question, because it's, you know, we're basically parting it out. We don't, we don't necessarily hold reserves, if that makes sense. I want to, I want to make, or have a, one more question, just more broadly about the shift in real estate that we've seen, especially over the last two years. And that shift being a growing number of homes, single family homes in particular, being bought up by private equity. We've seen BlackRock and the reports come out of BlackRock just buying up homes all over the place. You know, I 
there's another company, Innovative Homes, that is publicly traded that's also been doing the same thing. You are seeing this movement to have big business own individual homes, which has never really been the case. We saw it more with like larger buildings, commercial, and maybe larger apartment buildings. I, w- I would just love both of your thoughts on that growing development and what that could lead to either if you think it's a benefit or possibly a detriment to the real estate industry as a whole. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why they're doing it is because it's a well-performing asset and they've been, been able to squeeze a lot of money out of it traditionally, you know, whether it's driven by inflation or other factors, they, it's definitely a lucrative business to be in. There's only so much land in the world, like there is Bitcoin, you know, it is an asset that is fixed. I don't think it's probably good for the consumer if I'd be, you know, probably honest that it lowers supply, they have deep pockets, they can outbid you, they have analyst teams, they'll get the right price, you know, they can work people down. Generally, institutional investors, you know, at that level, you know, they can really work and use that scale advantage to kind of bully down the pricing, which reduces the viability of people like us being able to buy a home. And then given financing is difficult, especially if we're in a more atypical bucket like Bitcoiner, you know, our likelihood of closing a deal compared to someone who just has cash outright is very low. So I don't think that it's a great thing for us. It doesn't necessarily affect our business, but as a fellow consumer and person who would like to purchase a home, you know, I don't think that that's a great thing. And it just pushes people towards renting, which is not a great wealth creation cycle in the long term. You're muted, Q. You're still muted. It <laughs> changed my like things. I pulled a P. I want to give you guys the opportunity to maybe touch on or discuss just anything else that you haven't yet had the chance to or that we didn't ask you. I, I would just like to really reiterate that our approach has been regulation first, compliance first. We started this with a team of lawyers around us. We got licensed as mortgage lending originators. We're you know, responsible to the CFPB. Like we've done everything by the book. We've watched multiple companies implode for poor risk management and negligence. As much as I can try to instill, we have gone the polar opposite direction from them in every way we can to ensure that we're building the safest, most compliant tools possible. When product goes live, we'll have transparency protocols in place. Like. We built this for Bitcoiners. We're from this world and we are Bitcoin people through and through. And we felt we deserved a product that sort of met our standards for safety and transparency and security. And so, you know, we've taken that ethos and have built it into every single line of code and every inch of this product. Anything from you? No, I mean, that's, that's more or less it. You know, we've tried to pick great counterparties, you know, we're trying to only work with the best people in the space. People have a good reputation. Obviously, you know, we've seen many people squander theirs. We're really trying to do it in a different method. That's why, you know, we didn't take the easy route. We just take a loan with somebody else. We wanted to build a company and try to make a better product for everyone's benefit. And uh, we're excited to offer it to you guys. Awesome guys. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. For anyone interested in learning more, go over to moonmortgage.io. Yep. You got it. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for your time, right, friends. Thanks, Thanks guys. Everyone. Really appreciate it.
Thank you. And as a gentle reminder for everyone who is still tuned in and still watching, we appreciate you sticking around with us all day. We are going to hop on over to Twitter Spaces in just a moment at about in an, in an hour and 20 minutes. So at 4 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to hop on over to Twitter Spaces with none other than Dr. Jeff, Mark Moss, Dylan LeClaire, and Sam Rule. And we're going to keep talking all things FTX. There have been a few developments coming out since we last broke for this interview, including FTX was buying tokens before they were listed on their platform just to dump them on users after listing them. Huh. Almost like people talked about exchanges doing that. I wonder who that could have been. Pete, any idea about which podcast hosts were warning that shitcoin exchanges were possibly buying or pre-mining tokens to then dump on retail? Do I mean, and some long no. early here was no i have no idea and history will just have to play out and we'll see guys get your fucking bitcoin off of an exchange yeah chris okay fine chris also said it a few times too we've all said it except for Pete. Pete never warned you to do it get your bitcoin off of an exchange today stop waiting around hang out with us over on twitter spaces buy a ticket to bitcoin miami because that is going to be the absolute best Bitcoin only conference in the world. There's not even a close second. Maybe Bitcoin Amsterdam could be a close second, but I'm telling you right now, if you missed out on Bitcoin Amsterdam, if you missed out on Bitcoin 2022, come party with us in Miami, May 18th through the 20th. Use promo code BM live to buy a ticket and use the Bitcoin buy with Bitcoin discount as well. You can still use the BM live promo code. So boom. Do that. No, Chris, you're the Fed. That's why we don't buy the Fed. <laughs> My friends, we'll be covering everything as it continues to develop. Tune in, as Q said later today, we'll be talking with the BM Pro crew, Mark Moss, a bunch of others. Also, tune in tomorrow and we will give you the updates on how all of this continues to be fucked. See you then. <laughs>